EJ Glasser here with Joe Malfa, episode 61 of Glass of Joe. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Got another great episode today. Lots to talk about. Only a couple weeks left in the baseball regular season. Obviously, we had our first full NFL uh, week of games, first slate, and then college football two weeks into the swing of things. So we'll talk about football in a little bit. But first, got to talk about uh, some baseball and both wild card races are extremely compelling. The AL wild card looked like the Yankees were going to be a lock, really, in late August and September. But the Blue Jays and Yankees have kind of traded places. The Yankees got super cold while the Blue Jays got super hot. So now it's the Blue Jays and the Red Sox that are currently in the AL wild card game with the Yankees a half game back. And then the Cardinals in the NL wildcard picture have come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, they are in the wildcard game with San Diego. And Cincinnati, who had a four-game losing streak, they finally snapped that last night with a win over Pittsburgh. Joe, to me, both of these races, I think it's pretty simple. I think it's going to come down to whichever teams win the games they're supposed to win because – it's a perfect example of this weekend. I mean, the Yankees, they're struggling with the Orioles this year. They're 8-11 and 11 versus the Orioles this year, where you look at it as a team like Tampa, who's 18-1 and one against the Orioles. So Boston has a series with the O's this weekend. Um, the Yankees, you know, they, they are going to have to play some decent teams. They got the Indians this weekend, who won't be a playoff team, but they're definitely a team that can beat them. But the Cardinals and the Padres play each other this weekend, too. It's always amazing to me how it seems like every year there are a couple series in the last two weeks of the season with teams always. that aren't in the same division. Right. But somehow it's, it's teams that are battling for wild card positioning. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't believe the Yankees might miss the playoffs just what a roller coaster that team has been on all year. <laughs> but uh, look, my wish of Dodgers, Padres, Yankees, Red Sox wild card game is still very much alive. That's what I'm still hoping for, just from a ratings excitement factor. Um, but there are a number of teams that can make the playoffs from either uh, from either league. Yeah, at this point, I mean, how many times have we gone back and forth on the Yankees? I was adamant that they wouldn't make it, right? And yep. then after the trade deadline, I was like, whoa, this team probably is going to make it now. I should have stuck with my gut the whole way. <laughs> They're falling right back out of it. I mean, this, they, they put, like, duct tape. You're almost flying Spirit Airlines here. Like, it's duct tape on every seat and on the door, and, like, you're scared. That's what the, the Yankees are right now. They are Spirit Airlines just trying to get through – a bumpy ride to the wild card game and hope for the best from there with Garrett Cole on the mound. But right now, the Blue Jays are probably the hottest team. The Rays have established themselves as the best team in baseball. Um, remember early in the season, you, me, and Worm, I think, were texting each other. I don't think it was on the podcast. I think we were texting each other that if what would the record be if the Yankees played the Orioles for 162 games? And I think you were adamant that it would be like, a hundred and like 40 wins for the Yankees. I didn't think like they could that. win 30 games against them. And here they are eight and 11, the Yankees against the Orioles. Go figure a team that's about Crazy. to lose their hundredth game of the season tonight in the Orioles. And they have 11 of their 47 wins against the Yankees. They've won one fifth of their games against the Yankees. 
that's just absurd. I mean, the Yankees <laughs> almost don't deserve to be in the playoffs yeah. because of that fact alone. Um, we've said it for a long time. I mean, probably going back to June, right? That the, the two wild cards were probably going to come from the AL East. The two wild cards were probably going to come from the NL West. Um, that has changed a little bit in the NL, but it's at least held true in the AL. And shifting gears to the NL, I mean, right now, I can't believe the Padres have just sunk the way they've just been sinking for the last month and a half to the point now where it's damn the Cardinals, the Reds. And the fact that the Mets still aren't even out of it, that just goes to show you how quickly things have turned south for the Padres. Well, and, you know, what sucks for the Padres, too, is the division that they play in. So, obviously, as the year winds down, you start to get in those divisional series – I know the Padres have a series with the Giants coming up next weekend. They just played them for three games, so they're going to have the Dodgers again. It's looking good for the Cardinals. I just They're the spurs of baseball. They really are. They don't have any flashy players, always. but they just that organization is rock solid. They always find a way to get themselves in the hunt. They've got a 40-year-old Adam Wainwright who's about to win 15 <laughs> games, or, or is it there already maybe? And he's got an ERA below three. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. I had flashbacks the other night when when the Met, it was a must-win game for the Mets, and it's Wainwright on the mound and Yachty catching. And I'm like, when did I go back to 2006 that the Cardinals with this combo on the mound and behind the plate are going to rip my heart out? They just – they don't age. And, uh, you know, people forget, like, the Cardinals were in the NLCS against the Nationals two years ago. And yeah. there really hasn't been much from that team that left, and they still have Nolan Arenado. So, uh, you know, that's a team because of their pedigree and their experience. If they get in the postseason, you just never know what could happen. San Diego, though, I'm still leaning towards them, even with this tough schedule down the stretch. I just refuse to believe with that much talent on their roster that they won't make the playoffs. AL wildcard, Joe, I'm buying Toronto. You and oh, I. Me too. You can't, were, I mean, at this point, you can't not do it. They have the best lineup in baseball, and Robbie Ray is going to win the Cy Young. Even when they were five games back in you know August, uh, we were still like, you can't count out Toronto because of that offense. And they remind me so much of the Astros. I think they could be the next Houston Astros in the sense that they build their lineup through the draft and their core, mm-hmm. and they got their Vladdies, and they got their Bichettes, and they got their Hernandezes, and then they're getting this veteran pitching to bring in. They brought in Ryu. They brought in Ray. And I think uh, Toronto is going to be really, really good for the next four or five years. And they're kind of How breaking that surface. It? Right now, how wild is it that Vladdy is maybe going to win the triple crown and he's not even close to an MVP consideration? No. Not even close, like it's, it's Shohei's MVP award, he's like a minus 7,000 favorite or something right now. Vladdy very well might win the triple crown and he's not going to do it. He, well, I take that back, it looked a lot closer a few days ago when I last looked at the stats. Um, Salvador Perez had a couple big games the last couple of nights. So a couple of days ago, Vladdy was like four or five RBIs off the pace. Now he's nine. Uh, nine RBI is going to be tough to make up, but he's tied for the home run lead. He's tied for the batting average lead. Um, or actually, he's two points higher than Yuli Gurriel. So he, he's got a shot at a triple crown down the last couple of weeks here. And it's not even a consideration for him to win MVP. It's crazy. It really <laughs> is crazy. He And again, because Shohei dominates the headlines, nobody's talking about how unbelievable of a season he's having at such a young age. I can't remember what the stat was exactly, but 
it was like four just, you know, all-time great legendary players who have had like 40 home runs in a season with a 315 batting average before the age of like 23 or whatever. And it was just, you know, Vladdy, Vladdy and Ted Williams and who, I mean, it was like that kind company. of company. And uh, I'm telling you, Toronto, next four or five years, they're, they're the Astros with the way they're building this thing. And, man, if they get into the playoffs with that lineup, they are going to be a problem. I think, I think it's going to be Yankees and Blue Jays, if I had to guess. Boston, I, I just I don't know. That pitching just, just scares me. And their lineup is good, but it's inconsistent, you know? I mean, like, Devers is great, and Bogarts is great, and J.D. Martinez is great, and they got all these good players, but they're just not quite consistent enough. And I don't know. It's just tough for me to believe that the Yankees, after blowing that huge win streak they had, are going to miss the playoffs. So if I had to guess, it would be Yankees, Blue Jays for me, and then Padres and Dodgers, I would say. I want to lean Cardinals in the NL. Now, I've gotten to that point where I think I want to, just because, again, what we've talked about as far as the stability that that organization has and the way the Padres have the arrows are pointing in opposite directions right now. And I think you want to try to hitch your wagon to the team whose arrows pointing up. And for me, that's the Cardinals right now, Blake Snell on the IL. Um, I don't know the Padres right now. They're just not giving me good vibes. And I, I think their ship has sailed as crazy as it is to think about it for how hot they started and all the hype around them. I think their ship has sailed. And I think the Cardinals end up in it against the Dodgers. The Dodgers obviously win it, but uh, well, I can't say, obviously it's a one game playoff, but you got to lean to the Dodgers. So, uh, or the Giants. I mean, that's only a game yeah. and a half now, too. So we, we, we haven't talked about that, really, that the Dodgers might catch the Giants still as great as the Giants have been. So I'm picking the NOS team over the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that we got to a point after so long saying that it was all three teams from the NOS to now it's the Cardinals. It's always different. At the end of nuclear war, things that will be left over, we got Twinkies. We get cockroaches. Those are the two things that people always says. And the Cardinals will still somehow win 97 games. <laughs> it's so well. Um, is this Yachty's last year or next year is? Uh, next year. He next signed year one is. more year. Okay. And he's going to have his nice farewell tour. And yeah. Pujols will also be next year. And Pujols will be on his chase for 700. And they'll go into the Hall of Fame the same year. And it'll be really nice. That's, that's very cool. That's very cool. Um, all right. So, again, we'll talk about baseball next week. And I'm sure that somehow, magically, the Phillies will be in the NL wildcard <laughs> picture because that's how baseball is working this season. Uh, Joe, college football now. It's week three. Pretty decent slate this week. Definitely better than uh, last week's slate. You got a couple of ranked matchups. The big one at night is Penn State and Auburn. Bama plays Florida. You got a couple of big games late at night, Arizona State and BYU. But uh, the Pac-12, got to give credit to them for how much everybody wants to dump on the Pac-12. Yeah. They have really gotten some big wins early on in the season. UCA, UCLA over LSU, obviously Oregon just beating um, Ohio State. And then uh, Washington had a chance for another one to beat Michigan, but their offense is just absolutely putrid. They were one of my best bets. That was just not good. I totally was expecting a bounce-back performance, but their offense is abysmal. And uh, 
Now, as I look ahead to this week's games, Joe, the uh, the games that stick out to me are uh, obviously Penn State and Auburn. It's actually crazy. Uh, a stat I saw this week. This is Auburn's first game against um, a Big Ten team on the road since the SEC's um, inception. Wow. So they don't do this very often, but uh, they are making the trip to Happy Valley. I think it's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, kind of like that Penn State-Wisconsin game was. If I had to play it, I'd probably take Auburn with the points just because I can see it being around a three-, four-point game. I think Penn State wins, but uh, I think that's going to be an ugly, low-scoring kind of ball game. Yeah, that's one that I tossed around a little bit for best bets. Um, and actually, this week, there was a, every week I go through and um, on the FanDuel app, I can just click them and they all like go to like a queue. And I think as I was, as I go through and I click the ones I like, I think I end up with like 11 that I like this week. Mm-hmm. I initially clicked that one and then I took it off because um, I saw it at five and a half. And I'm like, you know what? It's Penn State's whiteout game. There's always a different energy in the stadium. It's unmatched when they have their whiteout game. And, you know, your favorite quarterback on Auburn is not going to do well in that environment. So I could have seen no Penn picks. State winning. <laughs> exactly. I could have seen Penn State winning by a touchdown to, to 13 points. But then I thought about it more. I'm like, this Penn State team is not that good. Like, it's overrated just because they got the win on the road against a yeah. Wisconsin team that I think is also overrated. And, like, Clifford's not that great at quarterback. I think they've, they've done a decent job of masking his deficiencies, but he's not that good. And, and I, there's just a different level of, of speed and athleticism in the players that are recruited by SEC teams and by Big Ten teams. So it's always interesting to see them clash, right? You're going to have the Big Ten team that's going to maybe be tougher just based on their profile than the SEC team. But the speed that Penn State's going to face when they go up against Auburn is going to be something they only see really once a year from Ohio State. Ohio State's the only real Big Ten team that kind of breaks that Big Ten mold and has those flashy guys. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than was thought. I'm looking at Virginia Tech, West Virginia. That should be a fun one at noon, actually, as well. A sneaky one, West Virginia. Um, not a bad team in, in the Big 12. And Virginia Tech has kind of ascended uh, into to number 15 in the rankings. But Cincy, Indiana at noon, that's an interesting one. Cincy's a team that I thought if there's any team that's going to slide in, sneak into the playoff, it's Cincy. And we talked about them having actual marquee opponents this year with playing Notre Dame with playing uh, Indiana. The Indiana game has lost its luster because Indiana's fallen out of the rankings and it's still not going to be an easy game on the road against a solid IU team. That's a big game with playoff implications that I don't think people realize right now because you're going to look at your Bamas, your Georgias, your Oklahomas, even Iowa getting into the conversation already. But since he's a team to keep in the back of your mind all season long, so this is a sneaky noon ESPN game in Indiana that has big playoff implications. It does, and that spread on that game is stinky. It's only Cincinnati plus three and a half. So a lot of people are going to see that number eight next to their name. They're going to see that small of a spread, and they're going to be all over Cincinnati. So that's definitely a uh, possible trap game for the Bearcats. You brought up Iowa, Joe, and I'm so mad at myself because as we were previewing the season, I said that Iowa would be that team that nobody was talking about. You said it last week. You, you, it, last week in Best Bets, you literally came out and said, I've but been on that, Iowa the whole time, but you pulled, you pulled the league course not so fast, and you said Iowa State. <laughs> that spread was so stinky. The fact that it wasn't like two and a half or three, it was 
four and a half. And I'm like, they know something. But the turnovers have killed Iowa State in that rivalry. They killed them again. Iowa's for real, man. Kirk Ferentz, one of my favorite coaches in the country because he doesn't reinvent the wheel. He knows what he is. He gets his recruits. He builds his program. And they are just steady as can be. And they got a real shot now at uh, making the playoff. They have Kent State this weekend. The other big game, Joe, Bama, Florida. And I saw this stat uh, for Alabama, and it just made me do a double take. They have won 31 straight games versus the SEC East. They haven't lost a game versus the SEC East since 2010 versus South Carolina. So good luck, That's Florida. absurd. 30, that's absurd. One. I think Florida could backdoor cover 14 and a half, but that's, that's a crazy stat. They're so not going to lose. In those 31 lose. games, only five of those games has Bama won by less than two touchdowns. They're currently favored by 14 and a half. Three of those games were to Georgia, and one of them was last year in the SEC title game. So uh, the, the thing about that game is who Mullen plays at quarterback because he's I was got just going to say, that's the, only, that's the only issue right now for Bama. If they put Richardson in, it could be close. It could be close. Richardson, he might win the Heisman next year. Like, his upside yeah. is that good. But Mullen's just got this thing with Emory Jones. He just loves him. And if you watch the game, it's not close to see who the better quarterback is. So I saw a statistical side-by-side today. Um, Richardson has run, I think, 20-something plays. And Jones has run 70-something plays. And the plays that Richardson has run versus the plays that Jones has run, this is uh, QB runs or passes, not handoffs, obviously. So in the plays where yardage was gained because of the quarterbacks, passes or QB runs, 70-something plays for Jones, 20-something plays for Richardson. Richardson has more yards. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) It's nuts. And I believe it because every time the dude has the ball, it seems like they score a touchdown. So, look, I'm not going to question Dan Mullen because of obviously the quarterbacks that he's had and the offenses that he's had. But this would be a time to unleash Richardson. This is like you think you rack your brain. You think like the the swag Kelly game for Ole Miss against Bama. You think the Johnny Manziel game for Texas A&M against Bama. Like this would be the day that Mullen should kind of try to surprise him and play Richardson the whole game and just hope he has a magical game like a Kelly did, like a Manziel did, and and hope that could be the difference. I still don't think they win. I still don't think they have enough, regardless of who plays and what the quarterback play looks like. But if they're going to keep this to a single-digit game in the fourth quarter, I think it's got to be Richardson the whole way. I agree. And uh, he's the kind of quarterback that can beat Bama, too. So I don't think – Emory. I know Emory Jones can't beat him, but Richardson definitely yeah. make it a closer game. <laughs> Um, so Joe, we had an idea because it's so early in the season and obviously week one in college and the NFL week two done in the college football. And we decided to have like, kind of like an overreaction or just perfectly reacted kind of segment. So each came up with five things that neither of us know about. We would tell it to each other and then we give our opinion on it. So, uh, I can go first since my question is college football and, uh, we're talking about it. So my question for you Overreaction, Ohio State, are they still the best team in the Big Ten? Um, I don't think that's an overreaction because I think there's a difference between best and most talented. I think they're the most talented team in the Big Ten. I think Iowa is the best team in the Big Ten. And that goes back to what we said before, just they're a well-oiled machine. The faces change year to year, but the results don't. And when the talent increases and when the experience is there, you get some upperclassmen, 
in in that system over there, things change. And Kirk Ferentz, every every few years, it's a cycle. Every three or four years, Iowa gets to a point where they're in consideration. They're they're at the Rose Bowl. They're in consideration for the playoff. And this is that time of this cycle where where they are a legit team. So I think it's splitting hairs between the two. You you could make a case for either, but I don't think it's an overreaction. I think an overreaction would be like if there were still a big gap between Ohio State and Iowa, but I don't think there is that gap. I think though, again, Ohio State's the most talented team, but not the best team. Um, so I would say it's not an overreaction. So go through, go through the rest of the years, go through the rest of the years. And I'll go um, all right. My next one is NFL uh, overreaction or non-overreaction. The Cardinals will make the playoffs. I don't think that's an overreaction. Um, I think I try to not put too much stock into week one performances, but with the way the defense looked, it's kind of hard not to. I mean, five for Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt looked really good. Isaiah Simmons looked like he was actually supposed to last year um, in that role where he could do everything and do everything well. It's going to be tough in that division. The NFC West and the AFC West went to combine eight and zero in week one. Um, but considering you could have three wild cards, it's not too far-fetched to think that all three wild cards come from the NFC West. And it's not too far-fetched to think that they could win the NFC West is the way that, the, that that division lines up. And Kyler Murray, we said it, he is the key. Late last season, he had the injury. And, um, well, not it didn't keep him out of games, but it hindered him. And they lost. They, they lost a couple straight, and that was it. He's fully healthy. There's, there's no telling what their ceiling can be. So not an overreaction. They could not only make the playoffs, but they could win that division. Uh, number three, Clemson will miss out on the playoff. That's, I think, an overreaction because you look at the rest of their schedule, they should not lose a game. Um, and you look at the way Oklahoma's played and what we said about Oklahoma at the beginning, I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma did take a loss now. Um, so if you're looking at an undefeated, well, Bama and Georgia, those two are probably going to be in. Let's not get into being bogged down in the weeds of which one of those teams has one loss and which of the two is the undefeated team. Either way, they're both in. So we're fighting for two spots, it looks like. Oklahoma could have a loss. Clemson could have a loss. Cincy could be undefeated. Iowa could be undefeated. Ohio State already has one loss, could have another, especially if Iowa is going to be undefeated. Um, so with all that said, and, and Texas a and Oregon deal with losing their quarterback. Oregon's there too, right? But the Pac-12, you, I forgot who tweeted it, if it was, if it was Felica, but you know it's going to be like, late october early november on a Arizona foggy State. Night. no on a, on a foggy night in corvallis and they're gonna lose to to oregon state so Probably. like you, you know um but i think with all the other teams the way it is um a one loss clemson team with their reputation and their talent they get in so i think that's an overreaction justin fields will be a starter before trey lance yes because i think this week is the last game that Andy Dalton starts uh, they had the game right off the bat. That's tough against the Rams. You don't really want to feed Justin Fields to the Wolves. Um, there's probably something in the back of Matt Nagy's mind of wanting to play Andy Dalton against the Bengals, thinking you can get the best out of him. But here's the thing. I just don't think Andy Dalton has that anymore. So if Andy Dalton goes out there against the Bengals team and doesn't look good already, it should be Justin Fields in week three. I mean, it's already – it's not even a, a kind of a murmur. It's already kind of a roar out of Chicago to get fields. And you saw when he came in and scored the rushing touchdown, the way the team responded. Um, so it, I think it'll be uh, fields before Lance. I think Lance's role is going to be exactly that of Colin Kaepernick's back when Alex Smith was there the first year, 
where he would play a bunch. He'd run, he'd have his packages, but unless Alex Smith got hurt, which he ultimately did, Kaepernick wasn't taken over as a starter. Unless Garoppolo gets hurt, I don't think Lance is taken over as a full-time starter. I think Dalton is benched within a week or two. And then lastly, Jalen Hurts will finish top five in MVP, MVP voting this season. I don't think that's an overreaction either. I mean, that's, that's something that we kind of knew would be a possibility talking about his fantasy outlook, just the way that offense is stacked and, and the way things could go. I think he, if that team is going to do well, and, and especially with how bad of a division that is, um, if they could be in the playoff picture, he could finish top five. He's going to put up the numbers for sure. So that's, that's not too crazy to me at all. All right. Well done. What you got for me? All right. All right. Going to college. Um, the Pac-12 will have a representative in the playoff. Oof. I mean, kind of like what you were saying. I just, you know, it looks good right now. If Oregon wins out, there's, they're in. There's no doubt about it. The big if is will they win out. Even UCLA, if they win out, they're in. But uh, I just, I, I don't know. I can't see it happening. You know, Oregon, yes, they beat Ohio State, but they almost lost to Fresno the week before, which shows me that they're a team that can get sloppy. They can choke uh, to a lesser competition. And as they get later and later in the season and feel that pressure, I think they're going to slip up at some point. So I'm going to say no Pac-12. Yeah, and it was more for me also, too, like just thinking about the general strength, like UCLA beat LSU. Not that UCLA would make it, but it raises the profile a little bit about what the Pac-12 is. And Texas A&M also almost lost on the road to Colorado. Yep. So it, it's just kind of raising the profile of, um, of overall what, what the Pac-12 is in the, in the committee's mind. Um, Number two, uh, the Ravens will finish third or worse in the North. Oh, I think that's the non-overreaction. They, they got a lot of issues. They lost Ronnie Stanley now for the Chiefs game. They lost another corner for a couple weeks. They're going to just – it's just not their season. Uh, I've never seen injuries like this so early in a season. San Francisco's had their seasons where – They've been banged up, um, but it was into the season. When you lose Gus and Dobbins and Peters before the season even starts, and now Stanley's going to be out, they just, they're not going to have enough bodies to survive, especially with how physical that division is, with the extra game, their schedule being tough. Um, the Steelers, that defense is probably the best in football. The Browns showed us that they should have won that game in KC, so they can beat anybody. So I think that's a non-overreaction. That's, that's fair that they'll finish third or fourth. Similar to that because of how they look defensively, Derek Carr, number three, will lead the league in passing. Uh, that's a non-overreaction. Oh, that's an overreaction. I don't, think, uh, I don't think Carr will lead the league in passing. Again, he put up those big numbers, but it seemed like he was just throwing a wall the whole night. I mean, Brian Edwards really didn't he do anything. He could throw a wall all season. <laughs> he really could, but, uh, you know – Edwards didn't do anything really. Henry Ruggs, again, it just it seems like he injures himself every game, just something, just some, kind of some nick or cranny or something. Josh Jacobs is banged up. The Raiders ne really never even tried to run the ball. So I just don't think they'll have balance, and that offense isn't built like a Kansas City or a Seattle where you can drop back and throw it 40, 45 times every game and have Carr be successful. I just think with the Ravens being banged up the way they are with how much they blitz and they allow you big plays, 
Uh, Carr just took advantage to that, but I don't think he's going to lead the league in passing. Number four and five for me are actually similar to two that you asked. They kind of went hand in hand. So you asked me the Dalton question. Number four, Matt Nagy is fired during the season. Um, that's a good one. Fired during the season. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I I think that you know that Bears defense is not as good as we thought it was gonna be, which is what they needed. And you know, at a certain point in a town like Chicago, that city is just gonna get restless. His only hope is that Justin Fields just turns out to be Herbert in his rookie season. Um, but both named Justin. I think Nagy is just uh, <laughs> both named Justin. That's true. I think Nagy's just so stubborn. He's going to play Dalton longer than he should. I think Dalton goes till about week four or five. By then, the Bears will be maybe one and three, something like that. It'll be too late. I think he gets fired maybe week 12, week 13. And you asked me, Jalen Hurts, top five MVP. Uh, number five for me, Jameis Winston, top five MVP voting. Uh, that's an overreaction. Jameis had a phenomenal game against the Packers, but he only threw 20 passes. He was 14 for 20 for five touchdowns. So basically every other pass he threw was a touchdown. So that's not going to happen every <laughs> week. Um, but look, Sean Payton is one of the best in the business. He proved that he's going to lean on Kamara this season. Um, but Jameis, as crazy as it sounds, he's going to be a game manager. Even though it was one game, he showed me a lot, how much he's learned under Drew Brees how much Sean Payton has gotten through to him not to take those chances that you were taking in Tampa. So I don't think Jameis is going to take those chances. We saw him take in Tampa, and it's actually going to hurt him in the MVP race because the yards aren't going to add up. The touchdowns aren't going to add up. But I think the Saints are going to be a really, really good team. That defense is top five good. Kamara is one of the top three backs in the league. And, you know, they don't even have Michael Thomas back yet. And if Thomas can back get back to – 70 75 percent of what he was i mean the saints could be uh they could be really good i think michael thomas is still debating internally if he wants to ask for a trade but i think if Jameis looks the way he's looked yeah. in the next couple of weeks i think those trade requests kind of go away for michael thomas because he realizes that drew Brees was playing with half an arm last year and he is actually going to get the ball this year uh from Jameis more than he would have even from drew Brees. so um for what we were talking about would michael thomas even still be there when he asks for a trade once he's done on the IR list, I think he's going to want to stick around if he sees Jameis in the offense looking like it did. Uh, it, it was good. Yeah, that was one. That was our number one best bet opposite ways. You got me on that one. That was – Joe, I, I, thought, I thought the Saints would win close or maybe lose by three. Cannot say I saw him winning by three. No, no. I mean, just it just shows how, like, how close things are in the NFL and how two people could look at the same thing totally different ways. You looked at it as <clears> – <throat> playing for the city i looked at it as that comes in week four when they're actually home you looked at it as um why is it only three and a half uh, for for the the spread i looked at it as well that's because it's going to be a 75 percent packers crowd and because it was a road game for the packers anyway now the saints are just played so like everything that you looked i looked at it the other way uh, you got it you got me on that one that was that was not expected at all i mean aaron Rodgers looked i mean PJ, you and I only had 1.3 fantasy points fewer than Aaron Rodgers last week. <laughs> no, that was – and I don't remember every single game of Aaron Rodgers' career, but from what I can remember, that's easily the worst game he's played. Oh, yeah. Because 
of how it's because it's really a, just a compliment to him because of how unbelievably great he is. And the two interceptions that he threw, you just, you never see. So uh, the Packers got crushed. They know it. And I'm really interested in their game against the Lions this week, Joe. They're going to kill the Lions. It's going to be an absolute demolition. I think so too. And most people are thinking that way of they got destroyed. Now they come home and they want to put it to the Lions. But other people are like, does Aaron Rodgers just really, does he not care? Does he just... Is he going to be like, you know what, we got crushed if we lose again this week. It's whatever. I really didn't want to I be here in the see, first place. I, I could see why people are, are thinking that because of everything that went on in the offseason and that this is the last year with the Packers. But I think Aaron Rodgers in his quest for greatness and how badly he wants another Super Bowl and how badly he thinks he should already have one, if not for some of the deficiencies they had in the team building and with Mike McCarthy, um, I don't think he's going to let an opportunity slip through his fingers because this team could win a Super Bowl. They've been right there on the doorstep the last two years. Um, and I think at the end of the day, him, Devontae Adams, similar to the last dance and why they posted those pictures on their Instagram that time and in unison, I think they realized, look, we're here at least one more year. Might as well go out with a trophy and then that's it. And we don't come back here. So I can't see him having an apathetic attitude uh, towards things here. It just doesn't, doesn't seem like him. doesn't seem like the situation. So I, I, I don't think, uh, that'll be as much of an issue as people are worrying about. But what is going to be an issue for some team is the Ravens offensive line and lack of ability to do the read option the way they were because of the running backs. They got to fix those things fast because if they don't fix those things, Lamar Jackson is going to look like he is dollar store bin Robert Griffin, the third without the use of Andrews in the middle, without the read option, because end of the day, like it's just not his game. Like, for all that I could say and other people could say about him not being a true passer, his pass is predicated on the run. And what makes him so great is that. So if you take that away, what is he? That's the problem. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, they drop back. I've never seen the Ravens under Lamar have so many plays where it was four or five wide receiver set and it was just straight drop back passes not even a threat of any kind of run. They're just not built that way. That's why their offense looks so bad. And the times that they tried to run the zone read, even though they didn't do it nearly as much as they should have, they had a couple fumble exchanges. So I really underestimated how big the Dobbins and Gus injuries were. We all just thought of it as those guys are great backs. Obviously, they'll take a hit. But all the snaps and the reps that they've had with Lamar on that zone read, you can't replace that. And it just it ruins the whole offense. I think if you got Mark Andrews in fantasy, I got him in a league, I think there's cause for real concern because, I mean, he, he's dominated the last couple of years because those linebackers, when Lamar sticks the ball out at the mesh point and he can do one of three things, he can give it to the back, he can keep it himself, or he can throw it. And all three things have a 33% chance of happening. And they can all beat you just as bad as the other. And they ran so many plays against the Raiders where it was just straight dropbacks. It was straight gives to the running back. And when Andrews is trying to go to the middle of the field, the linebackers don't have to respect the run. And they drop back. And you saw why he just he was a non-factor on Monday night. So... It's not good. Now Ronley Stanley, Stanley's out. Al Villanueva moves to left tackle. God bless Lamar. He might die on Sunday. It's really going to be bad. Yeah. Um, My concern for Lamar is this. Um, I'm concerned that 
he wants to prove he can do it from the pocket. I'm concerned that the coaches on Lamar's behalf want to prove he can do it from the pocket without the threat of a read option, just being a true drop back passer. I don't think he could do it. I think you like it's all contingent on, like we said, the read option. I think they want to try to force that on his behalf so he can prove people wrong, but I don't think he can prove people wrong. I don't think he has that in his game. And I think they're going to try to, I'm afraid they're going to fall into that trap of trying to prove something that they're unable to prove. Yep, definitely. And I think too, because of all the injuries they've had, they're a little tentative to run him as much because they have the extra game this season, because they know if they lose Lamar, then any chance they did have is obviously out the window. Another point too, Joe, which nobody's brought up. And it actually, I was thinking about it last night. Another big part of this too the Ravens' defense in the second half, the fourth quarter, looked gassed, tired. Yeah. They couldn't cover anybody. Everybody except for Patrick Queen, that dude was an animal. He was, all over the field. So what nobody's talking about, the Ravens' offense, when it's right and they're running the ball, they take up so much mm-hmm. time. They have six, seven, eight-minute drives, and that plays perfectly in the Wink Martindale when he blitzes because his whole defense is fresh. But he was blitzing that whole game, and he was tiring out his team, and the Ravens were getting no time of possession. They, they lost the time of possession battle, and we don't see that often for the Ravens. Don't 34 see that. to 32. We don't see that. Don't see that at all. And so, so that's another thing. So it's a big year for Wink and for Greg Roman because they have injuries to deal with, but they have to adjust who they are. Wink can't blitz as much as he does, or we're going to get shredded, especially this week. And Greg Roman's got to get more creative. His passing concepts are third grade level. And, <laughs> you know, you got to get this zone read working, or you got to do something where Lamar is involved in the run game somehow. When he just calls run plays where it's just straight gives to the running backs, I get so mad because if, if you go into the huddle predetermined that you're going to give it to the running back, fine. But at least have Lamar in the play because he's such a decoy that you don't know how it's going to affect some kind of defender. So they got a lot of issues, but you're right on the money with the zone read. That's the whole key to their offense. Not many people realize that is their pass is honestly so much set up on their run and that read option. They got to get it right. I really can't wait for the Chiefs game this week because I have no expectations. I expect them to lose. They should lose with the injuries, how Kansas City has played them in the past. But I know everybody's going to be on Kansas City. They've been hearing that all week. And uh, I don't know. It's football any given Sunday. So we'll see what happens. Any given Sunday. Uh, just run through the rest of week one quickly as far as some yeah. things that stuck out. The Eagles dominated the Falcons. I think the Falcons are worse than we thought they were. And the Eagles, I don't think they're necessarily better than we thought they were. I think, again, the Falcons are just worse. And that NFC East is still probably going to be eight or nine wins probably gets you to where you need to be. Packers. Packers were the most disappointing team of week one, but Arthur Smith was the most disappointing coach of week one. That Tennessee offense that he had, we just didn't see any of that rhythm. Craziest stat all weekend too, Joe. First drive for the Falcons, 72 yards. Second drive for the Falcons, 73 yards. Their their drives three through 12 the rest of the game, 77 yards. That's the Adam Gase offense that we saw the last couple of years. I mean, that is insane. And then nothing uh, else. Yeah, Falcons and um, Lyle look good. Steelers impressed on the road, beating the Bills. Defense is as advertised. And yes. Ben, you know what? People poked fun at him in the offseason, like with him losing the weight and trying this whole like 
kind of his own take on TB12. Ben looked good. Ben looked like he turned the clock back a few years, and they relied on other things to get the job done. They didn't rely on throwing him 50 times like they did last year. He, the numbers weren't there for him in the end. I think he was 18 for 32. I don't think he got 200 yards, but like he looked comfortable. Last year, it looked uncomfortable watching him throw a football. Like he was, he was throwing that ball as much with his body and his legs as he was with his arm, where he was trying to generate all the torque with the hips, we just didn't see him kind of throwing it the way he used to just sling that thing. He looked more comfortable, I thought, throwing it. Um, and then again, defensively, I mean, it's terrific from, from the Steelers. It was a bizarre game. The Steelers were down 10 nothing at halftime. Their offense looked anemic. The defense kept a minute. The Bills really should have won it. They got stopped on two fourth downs, one of those fourth down play calls. I don't know what the hell they were doing. The Steelers then blocked the punt to really open it up. Um, I think people shouldn't overreact to the bills. They're still very, very good. Right. My question with the Steelers, we know that at some point they're going to have injuries in that defense. And I still don't know if that offense can step up and make enough plays. Uh, that O-line still has major issues. Najee couldn't really get himself going. It, it, it was an interesting game. Um, just because of the final score, I think the people are like, wow, Pittsburgh beat Buffalo on the road. But when you look into the game, it was definitely a game that Buffalo had their handprints all over. Absolutely. And then just from there, uh, the Niners put up 41 points. Debo Samuel went off. The Lions actually made that game close in the end somehow. <laughs> that did. was a bad That was one of, of my best bets was seven yeah. and a half. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, you and almost, they start coming back. I'm like, you, al- <laughs> you almost got that. When the Cardinals just demolished the Titans, we touched on that already yeah. a little bit. Really uh, Seahawks over the Colts. The Colts did not look good. Seahawks, I don't think looked very impressive, but they did enough. Um, Chargers on the road against Washington, they looked solid. Uh, Justin Herbert picked up right where he left off, made a lot of big boy plays in that fourth quarter. Uh, Texas that game, Jaguars, Joe, real sure. quick, that game, the most impressive stat, Justin Herbert was the least pressured quarterback of week mm-hmm. one. Playing that D-line, Rashawn Slater is going to be a future star. It looks like they got somebody to protect Herbert. They brought Brian Bulaga over. Uh, the Chargers, we that defense has to stay healthy, guys like Derwin James. But offensively, Herbert looks like he's going to be good again. And that O-line to do that against that D-line, that, that was impressive. Absolutely. Uh, Jaguars and Texans are the two worst teams in the league. They just happened to play each other <laughs> last week. Uh, Chiefs continue again. They're the same thing where it doesn't matter what you're up on them at halftime. They're coming back and they're going to beat you. It's just a fact at this point, unless it's the Super Bowl and you're playing against Tom Brady, that's where the – unstoppable force meets the immovable object i guess but uh anybody else any time of the year you're up against the chiefs at halftime good luck that's the easiest free money bet of the season you could get a live line of the chiefs down at the half bet it every single time always gonna win it's no doubt unbelievable (laughs) how every time they're down nine or ten points mahomes hits hill for 70 yards every single time and you know it's coming and it still happens and it just ignites them and uh, they had no business of winning that game, but the Chiefs, they just always find a way. Most uncoverable wide receiver in the league. Uh, Dolphins snuck one through on the Patriots, um, but the, the rookie quarterbacks, I think, as a whole, uh, the three actually, because Trey Lance and Justin Fields didn't do much. Uh, Zach Wilson, very, very promising. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked finally like he was playing with a team that wasn't actually as good as him, unlike at Clemson, and it showed yeah. with the three interceptions and but he still put up some numbers in the end. And Mac Jones looked comfortable. All three very promising showings. 
Uh, I got to watch obviously the whole Jets game. Um, the first half, the numbers were not great for Wilson, but he looked good where there were a few big drops. He broke contain a little, a few times, incredible, like Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes type throws on the run down the field at the receivers dropped. They could have had a couple of long touchdowns, just dropped them. Uh, second half, he turned it around then ended up in the two in the mid two hundreds with a couple touchdowns. Um, and he just had the one pick, which was a, a kind of a welcome to the NFL. That window closed a lot cl- quicker than he thought it was going to close type of play. But they battled back. It's exactly what I wanted from them, PJ, um, where you progressively improve game to game, week to week, month to month, even half to half. They were down 16 nothing at the half. They won the second half 14 to three. The last two years with Adam Gase, you go into the half down 16 nothing, you're losing that game like 38 to three because they just kind of mail it in. So for Robert Sala to get him fired up, he was awesome to watch on the sideline, all fired up to turn that game around the way they did, starting. Um, you know, 14, 14 rookies playing big time minutes the whole game all around. Uh, it's, it's a promising start. It's exactly what I wanted from them. Losses are going to happen. This team's going to win six games, maybe. But as long as the losses look like, like this, I'm happy with it. For me, in my book this year, a one-score loss where you have a chance at the end of an onside kick or you have the ball in your hands, it's a win in my book this year. Like, I, I know the assignment for the Jets this year. So a game like that for me, check mark, good week, move on to the next. And I had him at five and a half, so I'm very happy with the result. There you go. See, and uh, the backdoor cover, that was a welcome sight to see. There you go. Now it's time for best bets of week two. I'm bummed that we had to record this on Friday because I would have been all over the Giants plus three and a half last Man. night. Uh, so that goes by the wayside. But uh, after last week, where are we at? Where are we at? You beat me. Um, uh, I'm six and four with 18 points, and you are five and five with 15 points. All right. We're right there. We're right there. You want to start off or you want me to start off? I can, yeah. I love the NFL board this week. So I took four NFL games. The one college game is my favorite game. I'm going Georgia Southern plus 23 and a half versus Arkansas. And it's just all about the spot. Arkansas had that big emotional win against Texas. They're ranked. Everybody's telling them how good they are. Well, you know who they got next week? They got Texas A&M. There'll be some looking ahead. It's the perfect sandwich spot for Georgia Southern. And remember, Arkansas week one was a 17-point favorite against Rice. Looking ahead to Texas, they were trailing in the third quarter. Now, coming off that win with A&M coming up, Georgia Southern smashed in the middle. Arkansas is going to win the game, but I think Georgia Southern loses by maybe 14, 17 points. Um, they keep it within the numbers, so I like Georgia Southern, plus 23 and a half. Gotcha. To start off here, I'll go Friday night football, Maryland at Illinois. It's a big game. Maryland's a touchdown favorite, but I'm looking at the total in this game. It's 61 and a half. I like the over in this game for sure um, for my one pointer and pick number five. Maryland's offense has been putting up points. Granted, they played Howard last week, but they looked lights out. Uh, And then in the first game, of course, putting up a 30 spot on West Virginia. Um, On the flip side, Illinois, they're not good. They beat Nebraska the first week. That might be one of their only wins of the season. Um, but what has been a theme in their games is there's been a lot of points uh, in that game against Nebraska. The final score ended up 30 to 22 after an anemic start. And they played UTSA. There were 67 total points. They went to play Virginia and there were 56 total points. So uh, I think you get over this one at 61 and a half. Maryland's defense is okay. The offense is great. Um, I think Maryland probably wins this game somewhere in the neighborhood of like a 42 to 24. Um, but I don't like the touchdown on the road. So that's, that's why I'll stay away from the spread 
and I'll stick to the total of over 61 and a half. Oof. Joe, you and I both know how good Maryland always looks to start a year. And then there's that week three game on the road, whether it's Temple or the week three game on the road, there's always points, though. They don't win, but there's points. <laughs> we'll see. God, I hope so. Scott Van Pelt took uh, Illinois plus seven and a half last night, which I think's the okay. right side. I-, I think Maryland wins, but it's, it's going to be a nail biter. So we got that one tonight. Uh, Indiana, I got the Colts as my number four, plus three and a half against the Rams. Like Georgia Southern, I love the spot. You're coming off of a loss against Seattle. I think the bounce back is in order. You just don't want to lose two straight home games to open a season. That's just, it's not good look. And then the Rams, you look at it from their point of view. You're on Sunday night football on prime time with Matt Stafford. You beat the Bears by 20. Everybody's telling you how good you are. You have Tampa Bay next week, and you know how big of a game that is for the NFC playoff implications. Uh, Colts plus three and a half. The fact that you get that hook, I think, is good value. It's a shame that Quentin Nelson isn't going to play because we we don't get the chance at Aaron Donald versus Quentin Nelson, mm. which we only get four times a year. But uh, Rams defense, not as great as maybe we thought. David Montgomery had a pretty good day rushing against them, so... Obviously, that's what the Colts want to do is lead on Jonathan Taylor. I think they keep this game close. I like Indy plus three and a half. All right. I'm going to college again for my number four for two points. Uh, Cincy minus three and a half at Indiana. Um, Cincy is my team, I think, this year where I'm kind of hitching my wagon to them. Second time I've used that phrase in this podcast for an obscure (laughs) phrase as that is for the odds. But uh, I think they're a team that can sneak in the playoff. I think they're a team that is probably – underrated still until they go ahead and, and beat a team like Indiana and beat a team like Notre Dame, I think next week or two weeks it's coming up. Um, but I think since he will then get the love they deserve. And until then, I think you're still going to see when they play these teams, the spread is going to be smaller than it should be. Uh, I'm not impressed with Indiana. I said that at the beginning of the year, I think there was a lot of hype around them because of what they did last year in that very odd season that we had um, their home. Fine. It's not one of the, we're not talking about Indiana as one of the all-time best home environments in college football here. It's fine. Um, I've been there twice. It's, it's nothing special. Uh, <laughs> Cincy minus three and a half on the road against Indiana. Uh, my number three, I like Minnesota plus three and a half against Arizona. I think there's a lot of overreaction to Arizona. I think they're a good team, but Tennessee is just not a good home team. They've always been that way under Vrabel. Minnesota, again, team's desperation to not start 0-2 because you know the track record of when you get in that hole, what it's like to make the playoffs. They are going to lean on that run game with Dalvin Cook. And, you know, the defense was better against Cincinnati last week. They had their chances to win that game. They couldn't get it done. But Arizona is just another team that when you're getting ready to buy into them, when you're getting ready to jump on the bandwagon, it seems like they always have a little let down. I think Minnesota is going to win this thing outright, but I like them plus three and a half. Number three for me, I'm going over 42 and a half in the Jets and the Patriots. Um, I think they're daring you to take the under with the 42 and a half uh, just by that hook. And I think it's with the case of it being two rookie quarterbacks, they're thinking low scoring. Um, but I think both rookie quarterbacks, after getting a game under their belt, the offenses look more fluid in week two. Um, and I think this game, not high scoring, but I, I could certainly see this game ending up 28-24 either way or something in that neighborhood where, again, I think they're daring you to take the under with the hook at 42 and a half. 
Um, but just knowing the Jets, knowing the Pats, and knowing how these games go, um, I think there could be some more points than expected. Not a lot more, but like get me into the get me right around 49. I could see this game happening. So number three for three points over 42 and a half. My top two games I absolutely love this week. My number two is Atlanta plus 12 and a half against Tampa. Atlanta's coming off a home loss against the Eagles where they got embarrassed. They get to go on the road where they're a lot more focused. Playing a divisional opponent, laying two touchdowns is just too many. And we talked about it. Tampa is going to be like Kansas City from last year. They're going to win a lot of games, but they're not going to cover a lot of spreads, let alone as big a number as this. Atlanta is a good they're a good road team when they're playing like really good competition they always play new orleans really well they're just one of those teams they almost beat kansas city on the road last year i think they keep this closer than the number everybody's talking about how bad arthur smith's been all week matt ryan looks old and washed up i think they keep this pretty close 12 and a half just too many points and i mentioned the rams have tampa next week so obviously tampa has the rams next week big look ahead on that one um, with that showdown. So I like Atlanta plus 12 and a half. I have something from that game for number one, but for number two, Chiefs minus three and a half against the Ravens. Look, I, I can't believe this line is three and a half. That should probably scare me away. But you go down the list, there's no logical reason to think the Ravens hang anywhere around this game. You look at Pat Mahomes, QBR against the Ravens versus Lamar Jackson's against the Chiefs, and they look like they're playing two different sports. Um, the line with Villanueva having to go to left tackle in this one. Um, I mean, that's just a nightmare waiting to happen for the Ravens. Uh, the Chiefs, they, they just have the Ravens number. I mean, we've known this for the last couple of years. They have the Ravens number and nothing looks good right now for the Ravens. I think this spread is only as small as it is because people are putting their faith in Harbaugh and this team to have a bounce back in their home opener. But I just like, there's, there's no reason on paper that that should happen. Like there's just nothing to point to as a saving grace right now for the Ravens in this matchup. So it's a stinky line, but I'm going to kind of just inhale the stink and go with it because at this point, I think there's, again, there's just nothing that screams to me. The Ravens have a shot here. Not touching that game. I'm with you. That line seems stinky. Even me, I try to be optimistic, but I can't really find a reason. You're the reason why I made this game number two, because for you, to not have you are Mr. Optimism with the Ravens and to have none in this game. And for Worm, before we watched them lose to the Raiders, he said that he still thinks they beat the Raiders, but he thinks they get annihilated against the Chiefs. And that was before they came out and looked terrible against the Raiders. So for you guys who are very optimistic, when I keep saying Worm, I think people know by now, friend of the pod, Ryan Wormley, who's been a guest. Um, for you guys to be as down as you are about the Ravens, that's what made me feel confident about taking the three and a half, even though it's a stinky line, because you guys are my barometer for them. When with all you guys, again, you're loyal. You always look at the bright side for this team, but for you two to already be down in the dumps about it, I got to go with the Chiefs. It's going to be a long season. I'll tell you <laughs> when they're going to win. I'll tell you when they're going to lose. I just, I mean, again, it's, it's football. It could happen, but I just, I really can't say it. My number one, Joe, and my favorite play of the week the Tennessee Titans plus six and a half against the Seahawks love the Titans this week the bounce back everybody's talking about how bad they are you got Julio Jones where's Julio Tannehill looked awful Derrick Henry couldn't get going I want all that I want all that negativity baby because the Titans are going on the road where Mike Vrabel and the Titans they just get it figured out 
too many points in this game. Seattle's laying, like you said, they beat Indy, but it just, it wasn't convincing. And it's just too many points. The thing about Seattle is they're almost unbeatable in prime time, but those 425 games are where you can get them. That's what time this game is at. And I just, I love the spot for the Titans. This is a perfect bounce back getting humiliated like that. And uh, I actually think they really got a shot to win the game outright, but I love playing the six and a half, uh, covering the six and a half with them. I agree with you on that game. It's not a bad call. I think Derrick Henry is going to be fed to the brim in this game. Jonathan Taylor ran all over the Seahawks last week. Uh, They're going to control the ball. They maybe got a little bit away from what they do well last week, the Titans. The Seahawks never play normal games. We know that. (laughs) Every game they play is odd, and it's always a one-score game. Um, so you just got to hope that the one score is six or less instead of seven. So hey, this is, it's a good call. My number one, I said, I'd have more on the Falcons bucks game in a moment. I a hundred percent agree with you about them being able to cover the 12 and a half, but if they're going to do that, there's going to be a lot of points in this game. The total is 51 and a half. We saw the offense last week already for the bucks. They're going to be tough to stop all season long with all the weapons they have. Uh, the Falcons gave up 32 against the Eagles. I'm thinking the bucks got to probably come out and put up in the thirties here as well. But to your point, Arthur Smith, Matt Ryan, all of them heard all week that they're done. This team's going to stink. Um, the Bucks' defense is solid. They were just exposed by the Cowboys. The Cowboys are a good offense, so a very good offense. Um, but I think it's in the 30s probably for the Bucks, And I think the Falcons do cover. They get into the upper 20s. So this game, I think, ends up squarely in the 60s in the total. And it's only 51 and a half. So uh, I'm going with that as a number one. All right, we will see what happens. It's trivia time now. We're both tied up at 24 apiece. And uh, let me get my timer out here, Joe. So, all right, I can give you my question first. All right. My question for you, so since we talk college and NFL today, I figure I'd give you a question kind of dealing with both. And it's just real simple. Of the top 10 colleges with the most NFL players, can you name me eight of those 10 colleges? Eight of the 10 colleges with the most NFL players. Correct. Active or all-time? Active. Active. Okay, Alabama. They're number one. Yeah. Ohio State. They're number two. Um, Georgia. They're number four. Um, LSU. They're number three. <laughs> okay. So we got the top four. Uh, Clemson. They're number six. Um, Notre Dame. They're number five. So okay. you got four left. You just need two of them. Okay. Um, USC. Not USC. That's one. Ah. All right. All right. Okay. Um, good question. I like this question. Uh, because after you get past like the big six there, it could get, you could go a number of ways. Like I did with Notre Dame. I mean, I with USC. Um, 40 seconds left. All right. Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma. Wow. Two strikes and you need two more to get with 30 seconds to go. Interesting. I don't think it's Texas the way they have played, but it could be. If it's not Oklahoma. It can't be Texas. Uh, 15 seconds. Wisconsin and Iowa sneakily have a lot. ACC outside of Clemson, there's nobody. In Got five ACC. seconds. Um, 
All right. Give, give me two give me, guesses. Give me Auburn and Michigan as my two guesses. Michigan is correct. Auburn is incorrect. Oh. Unfortunately. Michigan's number eight. You missed seven, nine, and ten. Seven is Iowa. Oh, 34. Okay. And you mentioned them. That was a good pull. I did not yeah. think you were going to get that. Nine is Florida with 32. Wow. And then 10 is Penn State with 31. Would not have gotten Penn State. Florida, I probably could have gotten to. Iowa, yeah, no Oklahoma, me. no Texas, no USC, no Miami. Uh, Iowa annoys me because I mentioned them. It always sucks when yeah. you mention them and don't get it. But it's, it's the offensive line and tight ends for them. The like, that's like 75% and of what some they of those have defenders. in the NFL. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, good question. Um, I went baseball, actually. We've been going football a lot. So I wanted to change it up. The NL Cy Young is easy to remember the last few years. You got two for Scherzer. You got two for DeGrom. You got one for Bauer. Uh, but the last five years, we've had five different winners in the AL. I want you to give me all five. All right. Uh, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole did not win a Cy Young. Justin Verlander won. Right one. Justin Verlander won it that year. And I was pissed because I had a future on Garrett Cole. He deserved it. But they gave it to Verlander because of the no-hitter. That's it. Verlander. Um, AL Cy Young. See, Glasnow's been pretty good. Uh, you got a minute left, and yeah, two strikes to work with. You need four more. Was Porcello five years ago? Jesus Christ. Uh, Cleveland. Oh, uh, Kluber's up there. Kluber won 2017. So you got 17 and 19 with Kluber and Verlander. Did Bieber? I think Bieber. Did Bieber win it last year? Bieber won it last year, correct. Okay. So two more, and you've got uh, two strikes in 30 seconds. Angels, no. Astros, A's. Mariners, nah, too old for Felix, not Texas. 20 seconds, two strikes, still remaining. I, I don't think it's right. I'll go Porcello. Porcello's 2016. You got 10 seconds left and still two strikes. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, I'll say Glass now. <laughs> nope. Or, and that's time. Oh. That's time. Who's that's the last time. guy? Yeah, one strike to work with. You're going to hate yourself. Because you're thinking the right team is Blake Snell in 2018. Snell. Correct yeah. team. Wrong dude. Porcello was the guy I couldn't remember if he was most <laughs> recently Snell. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of Snell. Like, I remember, but he wouldn't. I thought it was Glass now. Good question. Wow, we both missed by by a point. By that, that was good. I won, and in a frustrating way, where we like we were there. I mentioned Iowa. You mentioned the Rays, <laughs> and we just got the wrong guy. And I didn't go with Iowa. So man, good <laughs> stuff. All right, so we're still tied at twenty four. We got bet, best bets this week. We're separated by one. I'm six and four. You're five and five, and three points. So anything can happen. And uh, good episode. On the 62. Yeah, yeah covered a lot of ground. It's it's, right. it's going to be more too soon because we've got uh, uh, preseason hockey starting in 10 days. We've got preseason basketball starting in a few weeks. So back to it all, PJ. Back to a normal schedule. Back to a normal schedule. Thank goodness, Joe. I mean, <laughs> during those COVID times, it was not easy when all that stuff's shutting down. And we finally got to a point where it's not like the quirkiness of August and 
and we're watching N- NHL Hockey, and NBA yeah. <laughs> and the playoffs and stuff. Like we're right. back to normal, full-length seasons at the time they're supposed to be played. We got a Ryder Cup coming up too, PJ. We got a lot going on. We're gonna be at a wedding next week, Joe, and the uh, guy's a big <laughs> golf fan too. And I'm just like. Why would you do that? <laughs> My girlfriend knows damn well that we're not scheduling it for the fall. Period. <laughs> I mean, he's a you know, I was his college roommate for one, so he went to Alabama. So the fact that he's getting married during football season already—that's a sin. So that's strike one. And you get married during a Ryder Cup—that's strike two. Um, I just you know, only if it was only March Madness, I, I don't think I'd go. But. Luckily, he didn't do that. <laughs> can't have that yeah, again, Joe. That was that was that was stressful. There's certain times of year where you just can't get married. Like you yeah. got to know, you got to be socially aware. You cannot get married at certain times of the year uh, and expect people to be happy about it. He was freaking out too. We were texting when they had the schedule reveal, and it said Bama was playing Southern Miss, and he's like, "Thank God, because Bama, <laughs> Florida is obviously this week, right? And it very easily could have been next week, but he dodged a bullet. So there you go." He's all well, happy. That's what you get for scheduling a fall wedding. It's, it's, right. your own, it's your own fault at that stage of the game. But you know what? What's what's the 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 balance there? Would you rather have a very unhappy wife to start the marriage by telling her you can't get married in the fall, or would you rather make sure you see those games? I don't know. It's a great it's point. A tough decision. It's a, it's a tough great decision. point. I think she'll get over it. I think on <laughs> I think the dance floor, it. you just got to have some giant TVs behind the band. <laughs> that's that's what I think you got to do. That's it. All right. Well, we're on to the next one, episode 62 next week. For PJ Glasser, I'm Joe Malvin. Thanks for tuning in once again to the Glass of Joe podcast.